Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. Let me call your attention to the book of Hebrews chapter number 10. Book of Hebrews chapter number 10. We're going to be looking at, uh, with the Lord's help this morning, verse 1 down through verse number 18. And we're going to look at the subject of once for all. Once for all. There's an importance that the author of Hebrews in this passage is trying to get across, and we're going to try to delve into it and look at some of the intricate parts of it this morning. Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 1, the Bible said, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sin. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sin every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come, and the volume of the books it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above, when he said, Sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and offerings for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure in therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he might establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oft times in the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth, accepting, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected for forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost also 
is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their hearts and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities I will, will I remember no more. Now, now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Let's pray. Father, we ask you that you would draw in the loose ends of our minds. Lord, may we center them around the Word of God. Lord, I pray that we may be able to more clearly see your plan. Lord, not just your plan, but your plan carried out. Lord, I pray that we might be able to see you in these scriptures, that we might be made plain and clear to us that what you've done for us and on our behalf. And Lord, for this, we'll give you honor and glory and praise, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The sacrifice of Christ provides the ultimate cleansing and forgiveness that is impossible under the old covenant. God has two covenants, has two testaments. The one is the one of works, which Adam had, and Adam failed in it. And in failing in it, you and I were cast into sin. For by the sin of one man, all became sinners. So you and I, through Adam's sin, became sinners. And because of that, from there moving forward in the Word of God, we are given a picture of what God is going to do in place of that. And that is the second covenant. That is the reason that we have a first Adam and we have a second Adam. That second Adam is the only Adam that is able to carry out all things that the Father has sent before him. He's come to do the will of God. He's come to do what God told him to do. And in doing that, and in doing that in a perfected way, he gives us salvation. So I want to look at four things this morning, the Lord being our helper. I want us to consider the substandard shadows that we find in verses 1 through 4, the Son's supreme sacrifice that we find in, in verses 5 through 10, the sitting priest superseding the standing priest in verses 11 through 14, and the superiority of the new covenant sacrifice in verse 15 through 18. This section, if you will, completes the author's doctrinal presentation before he launches into the practical applications of what it looks like when we get into what we're going to be looking at this evening. He'll begin to look at the practicalness of what we've seen thus far in the doctrine that the writer, the author of the book of Hebrews has presented unto us. 
We've seen some practicalities, but he's going to delve into the practicalness of what all of this does and what it looks like in our lives. When we fully understand perfection, the perfection of Christ's sacrifice, when we fully understand that, there should be no temptation on our part to revert to the old ways of sacrifices. That was what the writer of the book of Hebrews was telling these believing Jews. These believing Jews were, they, they were cast out. They were, they were being sent out because of the persecution that was taking place. And as they were being sent out, as, as they were being uh, thrust into other areas, they, their, their tendency was to revert back to the old way that they knew of. Well, let me ask you this question. How many times have we as the children of God, when things began to get hard, how many times have we had the thought in the back of our mind, I'll just go back to the old ways. I'll just go back and do what I was doing before. It, it seemed a little easier when I was doing that. And, and I know that we don't do that as much as we grow in the Lord and as we get down the road in our Christian life. But early on in our Christian life, as they were, and as they were being scattered abroad, it was easy for them to say, we're just going to revert back to the same thing that we've always known. We're going to revert back to the animal sacrifices and, and the priest and, and all of these things that were taking place. So the writer of Hebrews was trying to tell them that once they understood these things and once they understood what was being said here, it would be more difficult to them, for them to revert back to those things that was in the Old Covenant. They could understand through these scriptures, they could understand that Christ is the supreme, sufficient, and clearly the superior high priest. That what we've seen as we've walked through these scriptures together, we've seen that Christ is the supreme high priest. He is the sufficient high priest. He is the superior high priest. There, there's not another high priest that's going to come after him. Why? Because he fulfilled all things. All things that the other high priest could not do, he has done. And for that reason, his sacrifice is all we need for full, complete, and final forgiveness of our sin. When Christ died on the cross, He died for those who would believe. Those who were His. Those who He knew would be His. And in doing so, He made our salvation complete. He not only made our salvation complete, He made the final forgiveness of sin complete on our behalf. He, com he, he forgave it all. Everything's forgiven. Past, present, future. Everything is forgiven. It's forgiven in Christ. He has accomplished our ultimate sanctification. There are two aspects that we look at most of the time in the Word of God. We look at law and we look at grace. We don't have any problem with not trying to apply law to our salvation. We don't have any problem in that area. 
Where we have problem most of the time is we try to pull law in and apply that to our sanctification when we find in this passage of Scripture that our sanctification along with our salvation is complete in the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying that you don't have to work in order to have acceptance before God. I didn't say we weren't going to work. I said your acceptance before God does not depend on your works. What you do or what you do not do does not gain us any more acceptance before God than we have now at this moment. That ought to cause us to love Him more. It ought not cause us to love Him less. It causes us to love Him more. If Christ could save us and sanctify us completely through His death on the cross, then therefore you and I ought to love Him supremely. We ought to love Him more. He has accomplished our ultimate sanctification. Leon Morris made this statement. He said the preceding section and talking about this scripture has brought out the efficacy of the blood of Jesus Christ as a prevailing sacrifice and now stress is laid on the once for all character of that Sacrifice. You and I are not to carry out this stress before us. All the stress is laid on that once for all sacrifice of what Jesus Christ. John MacArthur made this statement. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ then is effective forever. It is effective for all who believe because it fulfills God's design. It replaces the old inadequate system. It sanctifies the believer. It removes the sin and replaces it with righteousness. It destroys the enemy and all who follow him. It brings with it eternal security and it fulfills the promise of God and thus convinces and conveys us uh, of his faithfulness. It is so perfect that nothing can be added to it, and all we are ever asked to do is believe it and rest in it. The sufficiency of Christ. I want us to look at verse number 1 through 4, and I want us to see the substandard shadows. Everything that Christ did, everything from the fall of Adam until today and even going forward until we until we are with Christ until Christ rules and reigns on this earth until his kingdom is completely consummated until that time everything we see in the word of God points us to and is a shadow and a foreshadowing of the Lord Jesus Christ and if we see it any different, we're misinterpreting and misunderstanding Scripture. Verse number 1 down through verse number 4, he tells us about the substandard shadows. There are limitations. Look at what he says in verse number 1. There are limitations that we have. For the law having a shadow of good things to come 
and not the very image of the, the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. It was substandard. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of those things. Moeller put it this way. He said the phrase, the good things to come sums up everything Christ purchased and accomplished for us by the virtue of his life, his death, and his resurrection. The greatest of these good things is. Here's the greatest of the good things. Is the forgiveness of sin. It's the putting away of that sin. Jesus Christ did what he did. He went to the cross of Calvary. He bore our sin to the cross of Calvary. He took upon himself the wrath of God. And as he took upon himself the wrath of God, he gained for us the forgiveness of sin. You and I were born in sin. David said, in sin did my mother conceive me. We were born into sin. We had no choice. That sin was passed down on us and, and, and we don't necessarily look at our mom and dad and our grandmother and grandfather. We, we look all the way back to Adam. It was passed down to us because of what Adam did and his fall into sin. And in doing so, you and I were born sinners. We had no choice in the matter. The day we took our first breath, we were sinners. We came to a knowledge of sin. And when we came to that knowledge of sin and that understanding of sin, we continue to sin. These shadows are representations. They are not a reality. These things that were done in the Old Testament, these things that were done in the Old Covenant, these things that were done in the Old Way were a foreshadowing of that which is to come. And because of that, they were a representation. They were just that. They were a shadow. They were not the reality of what was to be there. Not only were they a representation, but they were repeatedly offered. Look at what he says. He said, that, uh, he said and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually. They were repeatedly offered. Why? They were repeatedly offered because they were not the supreme sacrifice. They could never do what Christ did do. They were, they were the repeated offer. They were a foreshadowing, a pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. They reduced or had reduced or restricted results. They, they did not have the result that could, could gain for us what only the Lord Jesus Christ could gain. If they could have, then they wouldn't have made the statement if that would have been possible. Look at what he says here in verse number 2. It says, and then would they have not ceased to be offered? If they could have done what they were a foreshadow of doing, 
then they would have ceased to offer them. There would have been no need to offer them anymore. That is the reason that now there is no need for that. Why? Because Christ has come. Kent makes this, makes this statement. He said, The passage does not imply that no forgiveness of any sort was possible under the Old Testament system. That was plainly not the case. In Leviticus chapter 4 and verse 20, 26, 31, and 35, there was talk of forgiveness. What is asserted is the absence of any complete and final cleansing that was brought about by the Lord Jesus Christ. Our cleansing was made complete by Jesus Christ. That system was a constant reminder of sin and the need for cleansing. Not only do we understand that, but we understand in verse number four, it was the conclusion, in, in conclu a conclusion of futility. Look at what he says in verse number four. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. He basically is telling them, what was being done, you need to understand, is and was a foreshadow of that which was to come. Now that which was to come has come, so we're doing away with that. It is no longer. It won't do you any good. It is not going to do anything for you because it has already been done as Christ died on the cross of Calvary. J. Duncan says it this way. So the grand conclusion of the statement that we see in verse number four is it is the self-evident assertion that animal blood cannot accomplish forgiveness of sins. It cannot accomplish the cleansing of the conscience. Remember the message that was preached a couple of uh, 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 times ago as we were looking at... at, at Back in at the beginning of chapter number nine, when we were talking about a clean conscience, having that clean conscience, it never could be accomplished. And we never could be reconciled unto God through that sacrificial system. There was substandard shadows. Let's look at verse number five down through verse number 10 and see the sun's supreme sacrifice verse number five down through verse number seven wherefore when he cometh into the world he saith sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not but a body thou hast prepared me in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins thou hadst had no pleasure then said i lo i come in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. He came to do the will of the Father. What is the will of the Father? The payment of our sin. Understand that in verse number 5, we see that Jesus has come. He's come in his, in his incarnation to be the perfect Lamb of God. No wonder John said what he said when he saw him coming out of the wilderness. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. 
I'm sure there were people, other people walking around, but when John saw Jesus coming, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Verse number 6, It was pleasing the Father by the way of His uh, uh, being a propitiation for us. Jesus Christ became our propitiation. And in doing so, he was pleasing to the Father. In verse number 7, there was the perseverance and accomplishing of, of, that was revealed in the will of the Father. Christ transitioned the sacrificial system to an efficacious once and for all sin offering. The old covenant was rejected in verse number 8. The new covenant was transitioned in verse number 9. And the accomplishment was found in verse number 10. Let's look at verse number 8, 9, and 10. Above when he said sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and offerings for sin thou wouldest not neither hadest pleasure therein which are offered by the law. Then said he again lo I come to do thy will O God to take away the first. The first what? The first covenant that he may establish the second. By the which he will, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just real quickly go back and touch on something that was mentioned last Sunday morning about the death of the testator. Christ was the, he was the, the former of the first covenant. And in order for that first covenant to be null and to be void, the testator must die. Is that not what he told us in the first part of chapter number 9? He said, without the death of the testator. Jesus Christ, who was the beginner of the first covenant, died in order to bring us the second covenant. His death was necessary for many things, but it was necessary once here to make this a once and for all sacrifice. His death was necessary for us to have cleansing from sin. His death was necessary for the will of God to be pleased. His death was necessary to satisfy the wrath of God. His death was necessary for all those things. But His death was necessary to move from the first covenant to the second covenant. Even the death of the cross. We have the substitutionary standards, the Son's supreme sacrifice. In verse number 11 through 14, let's consider the sitting priest supersedes the standing priest. Look at what he says in verse number 11 down through verse number 14. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oft times in the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. That first priest, those priests that went before Christ, 
were always working. They were always doing. Why? Because their sacrifices could not take away sin. It had to be done continually. It had to be done over and over. But look at what he says in verse number 12. But this man, talking about Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, set down on the right hand of God. Why did he sit down? Because his work was finished. His work was complete. His sacrifice was done. Jesus Christ caused the efficacy of his once for all sacrifice. He accomplished the ultimate sacrifice in his once for all sacrifice. He took care of everything that needed to be taken care of in order for us to have salvation. He took care of everything he needed to take care of in order for us to have sanctification. The once for all sacrifice. Not only did we have the substandard shadows, not only did we have the Son's supreme sacrifice and the sitting priest superseding the standing priest, but we find here in verse number 15 through 18, we find the, the superiority of the new covenant versus the old covenant. The new covenant sacrifice. Verse number 15 and 16. We see the superiority of this covenant. Look at verse number 15 and 16. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. This new covenant is superior. It's superior in that it has the testimony of the Holy Spirit. It's superior in that it, there's the internal knowledge that we have of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God in our life. God gives us that as a gift. Not only that, but it's regarding the final resolution of the sin problem. Look at what he says in verse number 17 and 18. He says here, And their sins and iniquities will I remember. Did he stop? No. no. Thank God he didn't stop. He said, I will, re will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. The writer of the book of Hebrews is saying, look, I know you've, you've, you've had this old way of practice. I know you've had this old way of life. That doesn't do any good. You don't need a foreshadow when you've got the real picture. Right. I, I, I don't need... I, I, don't, I have pictures of my family around. But I don't need to look at pictures 
when I can look and see them. They don't need that, that, that foreshadow, that picture of what was to come because He has come and because He has died and that he, because He has resurrected. You and I don't need those foreshadows any longer. And He told us that because of what Christ did, there is no more sacrifice for sin. There is no other way of salvation. There's not any. You can't, you can't keep the law. You can't sacrifice bulls and goats. You can't do any of that. None of that brought salvation to begin with. All of that pointed to the one that would take it all away finally. And that was the Lord Jesus Christ. It all pointed to Christ. And if you miss that, you find it easy to go back into that old way. And that's what the writer of Hebrews was telling them. That's the reason I think it's so necessary that we remind ourselves on a daily basis. We remind ourselves every time we come together corporately, we remind ourselves of what Christ has done on our behalf. Why? Because we need to be reminded. We forget. We go back to thinking that we can do something ourselves, that we can have a greater standing. The disciples, did you not hear what was said this morning? The disciples themselves who spent three and a half years day in and day out with this supreme sacrifice asked themselves, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Do you think we're any better than they are? They walked with Christ. Physically walked with Christ. You and I spiritually walk with Christ on a daily basis. But we need to be reminded that there is nothing we can do in regard to our sin, in regard to our sanctification. It is all of Christ. If it's not all of Christ, it's not at all. It has to be of Christ. Let's pray.